There it is. All right. Welcome, everybody. We have an awesome show lined up for you all. A very inspired show. I'm really excited to uh, get into today's topic. So uh, if you haven't seen, well, you know what? Just tune in because we're going to learn a whole heck of a lot today. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this beautiful Wednesday. Before we jump in and chat with today's guest, I want to quickly remind everybody we're doing three, three, three live shows every week, which means that there's a lot of opportunity for you to ask questions. If you have questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to see us discuss on the show, slide into my DMs or comment while we're live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing PolyA uh, and let me know what, you, what it is that you want us to talk about. As always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We're here to share our imperfect stories, and I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to Practicing Polyam, uh, PracticingPolyamory.com, sign up today. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. And now to the best part of the show, introducing today's awesome guest. As I mentioned in the show description, today's show is inspired by this tweet. I have an opening in my schedule next week. Can I get some QT BIPOC representation on the pod? DM me if you're available Wednesday, August 4th, 2.30 Pacific time. That's what it said. Unfortunately, I didn't get a response, which got me thinking, am I actually creating a safe space for the members of this community? Our guest today is here to help me answer that question. She has been involved in inclusion and diversity training for over 30 years, with contemporary upgrading the past few years with BLM, white privilege, and the daylighting, gaslighting of indigenous peoples where she lives. Now, to tell you the truth, when I tweeted and asked for QT BIPOC representation for today's show, I was hesitant to give the platform to someone not from that community. But today's guest replied to my request and asked me such thought provoking, introspective and powerful questions that I was convinced this is a good place to start. So join me today as we get a chance to learn how we can all create safe and inclusive spaces, and especially for this show, how I can make sure that I create such a space for the most marginalized members of our community. Joining us today out of Vancouver, British Columbia, a counselor, teacher, coach, and writer, welcome to the show, Olivia Fermi. <laughs> All right, all right. Regardless, we're going to keep this energy going. Olivia, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me today, for jumping on kind of last minute here, and especially for the education that you're about to provide. Tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and uh, why, why you're qualified to help me with this particular topic. All right, yeah. So um, I'm a counselor, a coach, and... Um, my specialty in counseling is working with the soul. We all have a soul. So whatever issue in counseling people come to me for, I see that as a portal mm -hmm. into um, opening and inner freedom and healing. And when I got your um, email, I had to look up Dr. Nick 
who's a who's a clumsy surgeon on Bart Simpson, yep, which yep. I thought was hilarious. I love The Simpsons, but unfortunately, I haven't gotten to watch enough of them. Anyways, um, and I just thought, wait a second, James, you're getting ahead of yourself because you're asking for a black or indigenous or a person of color or poly person to come on and answer all these step zero questions when um, we've been asked by those communities to do our homework first. Mm-hmm. And so that was what kind of sparked me to reply. And, um, and then here we are. My background, I grew up in a multicultural um, environment. In grade school, I had a Mexican friend, a friend from India, a friend who was half Japanese, a Chinese friend, Jewish friends. I mean, it was crazy how we were more multicultural than than white, really. Mm-hmm. And um, and my parents, they're not alive, but I think they would be really happy we're having this conversation. I have nice. to correct your your wonderful introduction a little bit. You oversold me a tiny bit. In the 70s and 80s, I took diversity training. So I haven't actually given diversity training, but diversity has been part of my, um, it's just part of my life. Got it. Got it. Dude, I almost had you. (laughs) Almost, almost. We were close. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Those questions that that you sent me, I'm (laughs) going to share not just the questions. But also my responses, and then we'll just talk about it and see uh, see how how things go. So, uh, this was the first question or pair of questions that you sent me. You asked me, "What makes me worthy of a Black, Indigenous, or person uh, of color's trust? How have I been reaching out?" And so here was my response. I said, "That's the thing. I'm not right. I know that I'm not. The fact that I asked for a guest in that community and didn't get res- get a response." makes that glaringly obvious. Now, here's where uh, it gets even further, right? In my Instagram grid, there's a picture of one of the few black guests that I've had on my show. She happened to be on the show the day of and just minutes after George Floyd's murderer was found guilty. I asked her about that, and then I jumped into the intersectionality of being black and polyam, and all I can think of when I see that photo in my grid is how badly I missed the mark and fucked it all up. So I look at that grid and I see white face after white face and the one black face in that sea has intersectionality of black and poly as the headline, as the headline, like, damn, how, how othering can I get? So when I got my guests together for this season of the show, it ended up being almost all from polyfriendly.org. So my guest list, what everybody yeah. has seen is representative of who is listed on that website. And that's how I, you found me. And that's how I found you. Yeah. So I realized I realized quickly that I had a pretty non-inclusive guest list when I realized when I read Love's Not Colorblind by Kevin Patterson, I keep asking myself, how can I be more actively inclusive? My goal for next season is for the whole thing to look a whole lot different. I want more voices from the BIPOC polyam community, but I obviously have a lot of work to do to make this a place where they even want to be. So give me your thoughts on all of that on that response. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So first of all, I was touched by your emotional vulnerability. And I think to make an inclusive space, that's one of the number one things along with listening. Listening is so important. Mm -hmm. So I had two thoughts for you on your, on your guest. What was, what was their name? Uh, I would have to go back and take a look. Yeah. So whoever it was, 
I had two thoughts. One was to reach out to them and to ask them what was their experience like on the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could let them know as a preamble that you're wondering if you put them in an uncomfortable spot. But I would really just openly, openly listen. That's so key. Like one, like 20 or 30 years ago, I wanted to connect with indigenous people. And the advice I got was sit down on their front steps and mm -hmm. just be quiet. It's like, we can't imagine what it was the trust that it might take to open up. Right. And so just to start by listening, which you're awesome at. Uh, thank you. I mean, that was that was my goal, right? With with reaching out to the way that I did and trying to get somebody from that community is next season. My goal is for that script to get completely flipped, right? I want to yeah. see a sea yeah. of so BIPOC. Like, if I'm on here coaching you, I want to help you reach that goal because I'm all I'm so in support of your mission. So I guess the question is, you know. If I haven't been doing enough to reach out, can you give me yeah, some wait, tips so, on how to reach so out there's better? One, there's one more thing to ask the guest was, um, what do you think of the headline that I put and what would have been your choice for headline? Mm -hmm. You know, and then you can make reparations if you need to. Can go back and delete that one. You know, I, I leave it on there. I leave it yeah, on there. I'm not there. saying you have to change it, but I mean, I meant reparations with the person. Because this is all about relationship, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I leave it on there. I leave that on there because I want people to see my mistakes. I want people to see my fuck-ups. I yeah. want people to know I am not perfect. I am far from it. But when yeah. I know better, I can do better. And I'm just constantly, you know, trying to learn and be better at all of this. And so when you say, you know, sit down on their front steps and listen, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I want to get that representation on here yeah. so that not only I can listen, but others can listen as well. Yes. Yeah. All that's, right. what I, that's why I'm here. I want to support you in creating a safe, inclusive, multicolored space. That's that's the goal. That's the idea. All right, let's go on to uh, the next question, the next pair of questions that you asked me. You asked me, where do I live? And am I aware of the history of colonization in my locale? Uh, and how do I acknowledge the original people in my locale, in my life and work? So my response to you was this. I live in San Diego. I'm Mexican myself but I was definitely brought up in a home that encouraged assimilation. I often said when I was growing up, I'm not Mexican, I'm American. I don't have strong ties to my ancestral culture. I still identify as American. And while I know that America isn't the greatest country in the world, et cetera, and so on, I still have a lot of love for this country that I was born in, grew up in, have benefited from, and for nearly eight years of my life, served. I would say that I probably don't do a lot of acknowledging of the original peoples in my life and work. I struggle with the perceptions of the system, systemic oppression and all of that. In many ways, I acknowledge my own privilege. I'm a straight, 
heteronormative appearing male who grew up in a good home with loving parents. I was provided many opportunities in life. I very much know that I'm privileged in ways that many others are not. And I've been able to learn to use the systems that are in place to get to where I am today. I believe that what I've done is not extraordinary and the opportunity is available to everyone. That being said, I also know that saying all of this is a privileged stance because there are things that I didn't and still don't have to face that other people do, especially when it comes to things like mental health, stable home environments, and discriminations that I've never experienced. Just because it didn't happen to me doesn't mean that it doesn't happen to others. So bottom line, what I'm talking about and what I'm asking about with this topic is something that takes real work and dedication to understand. And I know that I haven't put enough time and effort to fully understand it. So uh, tell me a little bit more about this acknowledging the original peoples of my locale and why that's so important to to this uh, mission that I'm on that I'm talking about right now. Yeah, and I want to even take it back a step. Like, I'm I'm descended of Jews and uh, quarter Catholic, and my people were refugees, like they were escaping. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a privileged middle class life, right? And I see you as a as a person who's descended of Mexicans, right? Mm -hmm. And Mexicans are part indigenous and part Spanish. Is that right? I mean, it depends on how far back you go because you can talk about like the Aztecs, the Mayans, you know, that was indigenous Mexican peoples. Yeah. So you, you likely, I don't know if you've done your 23andMe. I did mine and it's pretty interesting. I haven't. Yeah, so likely you're a blend of indigenous and colonial Spaniard, Spaniard, Spaniards, mm-hmm. right? Most likely, yeah. Yeah, and so did your parents, were they born in Mexico? Did they come to the U.S. or how? My mom was born in Mexico. My dad was born in Texas. Okay, and his but parents? Like border town, and his parents were born in Mexico. Okay, and did they have difficulties as Mexicans? I mean, there's so much discrimination against Mexicans. And, and beyond discrimination, there's incarceration of Mexicans. There's separation of children mm-hmm. from their parents. I mean, the stuff that the U.S. does is pretty horrific when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, a little bit of a story. Um, I don't think that my dad had to deal with any of, of uh, like, what do you call it? Deportation or anything like that. Uh, but my mom did. Your mom my did. mom. Yeah. My mom and, and her siblings um, at least once, I don't know how many times uh, were deported until my youngest uncle was born in the States. And then, you know, the anchor baby, I guess, as, as they called it mm. back then. So they were all able to stay uh, after that. But um, as far as discrimination goes, you know, growing up here in San Diego, uh, I was telling my partner this morning, like, I grew up going to school with a bunch of brown faces, mm. you know? Um, yeah. I've got uh, my buddy Tavo here. Mexicans also descend from African slaves as well as immigrants from around the world. Oh, thank you, Tavo. So, thank you for that. Um, but I, you know, I grew up 
here with a lot of brown faces, a lot of a lot of of people of color. And so I don't feel that I ever experienced real discrimination, mm. you know, that that I know of that I can really pinpoint. Right. Okay. So I think that's that's one of the reasons why it's really difficult for me to um, maybe fully uh, understand a life of someone who has experienced that kind of discrimination, but you know, I, I still want to make space for it. Yeah. Yeah. So as a, as a Mexican American, to me, you qualify as a person of color. And yet the sense I get is that you don't identify as a person of color. I mean, I, I do in the sense that my skin is Brown. Right. But definitely like, I'll tell you, um, when I first joined the Navy, uh, I, I, you know, went from boot camp in Chicago to training school in Pensacola, Florida. And while I was there in Pensacola, Florida, there was a group of Hispanic guys, um, Puerto Rican, Venezuelan, Mexican, Dominican, you know, all, all the, the, the Hispanics. And, um, I remember like, trying to hang out with them and they found out that I didn't like spicy food. I didn't like tamales. I didn't like pozole. I didn't like menudo. Right. I didn't like any of that cultural stuff. And they basically like, they straight up said, yep, nope, your beaner cards revoked, man. Like you are not Mexican. Like you're, you're done. And so. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Is that how you felt? Like, how did you feel? Uh, Yeah. I mean, when they told me that I was like, okay, I guess I'm not part of this community then. So my best friend at the time who was white, he's like, cool, that's fine. Make you an honorary white, you know, you you can be an honorary cracker is what he said. Okay. Okay, I guess that's what it is. So this is an, I'm going to start giving you homework. Okay, let's do it. Give me some homework. Yeah, so part of your homework is... We're talking again in two weeks, by the way. Uh, Everybody, we're going to be back and we're probably going to continue this conversation on the 16th. So mark your calendars. Yeah, so I want to give you homework between now and then. Cool, cool. Hit me with it. Yeah, so one of them would be to, you know, talk to your mom, talk to the people in your family that, that were born in Mexico, that did face discrimination, and start reaching out in your community. And, and talk about this divide that you got booted out, you know? Like, you're, okay. you're, the sense I get is either it wasn't that big a deal to you or you're, or you're still not in touch with how it, the, you know, the, the sense of rejection or whatever the deeper response might have been. And that, to me, I mean, unless you're connected, I'm going to read this comment in a second. Unless yeah. you're connected to your own, heritage your own blood um it 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 means you're on tenuous ground when you're reaching out means i'm on tenuous ground when i'm reaching out what do you mean yeah because it's it's important to know our own identity it's like if i want to be in a loving relationship i need to be able to love myself so if i want to have inclusive friends or inclusive clients or then i need to know who i am I need to know my lineages, my ancestors, my identities. And that includes a place which gets back to an earlier question which you asked me about the importance of acknowledging place, which I tried to put into the little thing, but it wouldn't allow that number of characters. I live on Coast Salish territory 
traditional unceded ancestral territory. So mm -hmm. the peoples here never gave up their land. And just to state that is acknowledging the actual situation as it is. Hmm. Yeah, I will agree. Uh, Nan, I lost my mouse. If you can switch the screen. Uh, I will agree that I don't have um, a lot of strong ties to like my Mexican culture. Like I said, I grew up in a, in a home that uh, assimilation was encouraged. And right. so, you know, when people would ask me or, or when I was filling out a form, I remember, you know, they like throw Hispanic on there or whatever. And I'd be like, other. And I would write in American. Right. Mm. Because don't yeah. don't try to pigeonhole me. Don't try to put me yeah. in this box that I'm Mexican. No, I'm American. Right. Like I had this really strong um, belief of the whole melting pot idea and all of these things that I'm like, no, like this is my home. This is my country. This is where I'm from. I don't resonate or, or connect with that Mexican culture at all. So uh, going back to your question about whether or not, um, whether wait, I haven't. Wait, wait, wait. First go, I go wanna, ahead. I want to acknowledge Tavo's comment. I think oh, yeah, I sure. most of it was he said that to remember that there is privilege as well as discrimination. There was and a time was, when Mexicans were considered white in this country. Oh. Yeah, when, yeah, when was that? Because like when I read Once I Was You by Maria Hinojosa, who's a, a Mexican-American journalist, she talks about the racism that she faced. Now, she's more in my generation. She's a few years younger than me. I'm in my mm -hmm. mid-60s. And we grew up in the same neighborhood. Oh. Yeah. I went. I was in the same class with her older brother. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was part of my rat pack when I mentioned I was in this, you know, multicolored. Pack. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah. um, I have that um, recommendation from you, so I will definitely check that out. Uh, huge thank you to Tavo. He's got some literature that he's going to recommend to me. Uh, Tavo, please send me a DM with that stuff. Uh, and he also is saying that he shares so much of the sentiment uh, with assimilation. That's like, I don't know if that's, maybe that's just like how we, most of us when we came over, like our families just said, just assimilate, just be part yeah, of it. Yeah, it's a coping mechanism. Same for me. I don't know Italian. My mom was born in Rome. She was speaking Italian with with her mom when I was a little kid, but the assimilation pressure was so great. And the, and in terms of the Jewish practice, her side of the family had been already assimilated a generation before. So yeah, that it's a huge force. And we, it's like, we have sure. to go back and, and do that archeological dig and, and find out mm -hmm. who we are. And it can give us, um, a compassion for others and what they're going through when we can see the ups and downs of our own lineages. Yeah. There's, there's the, um, there's a connection to that history, right. That in my life, I haven't, I haven't made. And so are you telling me that if I haven't made that connection with my own culture, with my own self, that like, how can I understand that for others? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're kind of skating on the surface. Like you can reach out, mm. but it won't have the roots. It won't have the depth. Then, then when you know yourself more deeply, when you know yourself in terms of not just who you are today, but your ancestors and their journeys.
tell me more about that. Tell me why that matters. It It's enriching. Like I know for me, because I went on that journey and I see it for others in my constellation circles. Now constellations is a whole big topic. And if people go on my medium blog, they'll, they can read about it, but it's a, it's a way of getting in touch with your ancestry and, and healing any um, disconnections. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here because, mm -hmm. sure, you know, in my mind, right, all of that stuff is the past. It's history. It's, you know, like to me, I don't really care where I came from. Like that's, that's like, I don't know. Like, so like, if you come to me, if I'm a black person and you come to me and you say, I don't care where I've came from. And I care that I, my people were taken from Africa mm -hmm. or, or you just come to me as a Jew. And, and I, and I say, well, I care that my people were, mm -hmm. had to keep fleeing century after century. And so to the point where I lost that, that heritage. And if you come to me and you say, you don't care, well, then I'm like, okay, well, you're, you're on a different wavelength. I don't know if right. I can connect with you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because that's, that's exactly what is, is happening, right? That's exactly the conversations that are happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and these are the, these are the conversations that I have with um, like, I guess, politically, right? When we start talking about, okay, look, you know, black people were were enslaved and they had all of this stuff going on for 200 years and this is what the civil rights movement has done uh this is what you know uh what what all of the oppressive systems have done and created over all of this time and like this is why we are where we are today for me to just say well i don't care about what happened in you know the last 200 years for for mexicans there's no way that i can actually connect with somebody who those past 200 years has really affected their life in very, very distinct and oppressive ways. Yeah. It's like being superficial versus having depth, right? It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like you can grow, you can grow stuff on soil, but if you don't mulch it and compost it pretty soon, the soil just blows away. Like what happened in the dust bowl in the twenties. Wow. Wow. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to read uh, the next question because this one was also really powerful. Uh, so the next question that you asked me, you said, how much inner healing work have I done on my own internalized oppression or my inner victim and internalized oppressor patterns or perpetrator? So my response to you on this one was just, wow, right? This is an incredible question. And I feel inadequate because again, none. In fact, I'll, I refuse to believe that I have an inner victim at all. I'm more of the mentality that in this world, there are victims and there are victors. And I refuse to be a victim ever. Things don't happen to me. I make things happen. So tell me what you mean by this inner victim, the internalized oppression versus the perpetrator or the internalized oppressor patterns. Yeah. So I have both. I'm as a woman, I've been abused. Um, as a Jew, I haven't been directly abused, but my people have been abused, right? Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, I'm, I'm middle class. I'm a settler. I'm living on land that was taken from indigenous people before I came here, but nonetheless, I'm benefiting from that. 
So if it's sort of, it's like kind of another way of looking at what we were talking about before, about finding out about your roots and about mm -hmm. your heritage. And one thing that can happen, you called yourself a heteronormative male, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one thing that can happen, especially in the US culture, and you know, to some extent also in Canada, I, I'm actually originally from Chicago. I'm, I probably oh, okay. would have said that, you know, because I live in Vancouver now, but I've been in Canada for decades. Um, anyways, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, you were talking about um, being... Oh, yeah, like heteronormative. Heteronormative, yeah. yeah heteronormative like, appearing, anyway. Yeah, like Dr. Nick, right? Like, you're like, okay, send me a, a BIPOC. Like, it, like, it's something that you can just sort of pull mm -hmm. off the shelf. Right, right. right. And I was, and I, and I wrote back black indigenous person of color. It was like, I wanted to slow it down. I wanted to like, when I was emailing with you, I wanted to slow it down. I wanted to emphasize these are people. Mm. And, um, and part of that is understanding how people have been victimized. And part of it is understanding how they've been colonizers. Wow. So yeah. So it's like another facet of the, of what we were talking about earlier. And it's, so this is like, this is your homework. I think, I think for today, this is a good chunk that we've done, you know? I totally agree with you. I, I, I think we've done a lot. We've covered a lot. Um, and, you know, it, it's about time to, to close this off for the day. I want to thank you again, Olivia, uh, and remind listeners that we're going to be back. Uh, Olivia is going to be back on uh, August the 16th. That's a Monday. Uh, so tune in because we're, we're going to be talking about this again. We're going to be having a, a, a deeper conversation. And uh, I'm so excited. Thank you again, Tavo. Uh, Olivia, can uh, you tell me how can people find out more about you? And uh, if they want to work with you, how can they work with you? And what, what do you have to teach them? Yeah. So check out my website, fermi.ca. Follow me on Instagram. Or um, check out my writing. You can Google Our Blossoming Matters. And I'd love to see you for counseling, coaching, or a constellation circle. Perfect. All right, Olivia. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. <laughs> and thank you to our live audience for tuning in. Uh, as a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our, access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. Thank you all. That is all we've got today. Again, thank you, Olivia. Thank you to everybody tuning in. And as always, till next time. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya. Holy 